you so much for listening. Welcome to Leo season. This is Renee and this is Embodied Astrology. And Leo season begins today. I'm recording uh, this podcast on July 22nd. It's Wednesday. It's about nine in the morning and I've been up for a couple of hours um, just being with Leo season. The sun entered the tropical sign of Leo at about 1.30 in the morning and I was awake. I was very awake last night and woke up really early this morning um, just feeling so much, so much moving through my heart, so much love, so much happiness actually, um, and at a time when there is a lot to be scared about and unhappy about, I am really welcoming this feeling and um, definitely want to say thank you to everyone who took part in yesterday's welcoming Leo season attunement ritual. Um, it was the second time I've uh, begun a zodiacal season um, with a ritual, and the first time was last month for cancer season. And, oh, gosh, I can't tell you how nourishing and affirming it was to be with everyone um, and to be practicing checking in with Leo, to be practicing checking in with the energy of our hearts and our playful spirits and supporting and affirming one another to connect with that energy, to connect with our authentic selves and to love ourselves and to love each other. And I felt so high and so expanded after the ritual um, all night long and definitely continuing into this morning as I've been just kind of hmm, resting with, with Leo energy and um, really tuning into what I wanted to share in this time. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening wherever you are in time and space. Um, this episode is devoted to uh, the energy of Leo, which I want to associate myself with right now as a practice of self-love and as an eminence of love, including love for the self and love for all beings, um, and with a knowing of love that there. Uh, really is no self that doesn't include all beings. And so what I hope can come through in this transmission is a celebration and a knowing and a trusting of this spirit um, and uh, an invitation to work with this energy as support for a process of deconditioning from trauma. Um, and in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the trauma um, of familial and parental entrainment um, that is also not separate from the trauma of um, being born into and growing up in a world that has been shaped by white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchy, um, authoritarianism archetypes for parents, right? So the people who make the rules, the large systems that tell us how to be and who we can be and what we should strive to be and how we need to survive. So I want to um, explore Leo as an energy for healing and as an entry point for 
working with the conditioning that moves against the healing potential of Leo, of what I see in this sign and symbol, which is um, a sign and symbol that we can all relate with. Um, Leo is not an energy that just one twelfth of the population gets to claim um, access to. It is an energy that is existent with all within all of us. Um, what I am associating to Leo at this moment is a period of time, about a 30-day period of time, um, in which we can measure the Earth's orientation to the sun. So at this time, called Leo season, the northern pole of our planet Earth is tipped closer to the sun, the closest to the sun that it will be um, in our yearly cycle, and the southern pole is tipped away, the most away that it will be. So Leo season describes the time of year when the sun is strongest in the northern hemisphere and the light of the sun um, is not at its peak. I'm resisting the word weakest because the, the light in the winter is really fierce. It gets through. Um, but the days are shorter in the southern hemisphere. Um, so... This season of Leo is a time when we can orient ourselves to the Earth's shifts, to the Earth's position, to its posture and relationship with the sun. Um, and I want to invite that this manner of practicing timekeeping, how we measure our lives um, through the cycles or the times of greatest light or greatest dark, of most heat or most cold, wettest, driest, etc., that these are ancient practices. And also ancient practices include watching the heavens, uh, measuring time through appearance of celestial configurations, of constellations, and of planets, um, the wanderers, the moving objects that travel through the constellations, and also with the rhythms of our satellite, of the moon, as it comes into its circular, cyclical relationships with uh, with us, with, with our earth, and with the sun, and its reflection of the sun. Um, so what astrology is, from my perspective, is a method of attuning ourselves to greater patterns. And these greater patterns are part of our phenomenal universal pattern. The patterns of season, the patterns of light and dark, the patterns of the planetary lights and tracking them. And astrologers are... Um, part of an oracular tradition. We're storytellers. Um, and so we learn to associate certain stories with certain times of year. And at those times of year, we recall these stories. And this has to do with our ancestries, our traditions, our myths. Um, and it goes really, really far back because astrology has existed, I think, for probably as long as humankind has existed on Earth. Um, it is in the best interest of our survival to understand how to work with the rhythms of the sun, uh, how to be in connection with the moon, and how to keep track of time and cycles. This is like kind of basic when you think about it. It makes sense that we would do this. 
And it makes sense that we would keep an oracular tradition around it because um, stories help us keep time. And this is true, this is existent across all cultures all over the world. So as I'm coming to this practice as an astrologer, I'm attuning to a language called tropical astrology or Western astrology, which is a measurement of light and season. And uh, this practice has largely uh, come up in and been developed by the European um, Western world within the last several thousand years, but it also has roots um, that go much deeper than that. And so Western astrology has uh, roots that it shares with Chinese astrology, with Vedic uh, astrology, with um, the Arabic astrology, with African astrology, or whatever we want to call these places um, or traditions because they weren't called that then when astrology was being formed. So yes, so this is... Um, where I'm coming from with my understanding of what astrology is for me in this moment right now. And as I work with the symbol of Leo, I just want to say that um, I have a, a deep and personal relationship with this symbol because I was born at this time of year. Um, so I'm a, a Leo sun person. My birthday's coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited about it. Um, and uh, because I was born at this time of year, my earliest impressions have to do with um, the environment at this time of year, with the, the way that heat uh, fell upon my body, the way that the, the sun's light radiated in through my skin and through my eyelids, the mood of people around me because it was that season or largely because of the season. Um, the, the foods, the smells, etc. These are all part of my very first impressions as a being on this planet and therefore part of my just baseline assumptions, expectations, view, bias. Um, this is how I see sun signs working. And I'm also a Leo rising, so I was born um, right at dawn uh, in Leo season, just as the sun uh, had risen. And that pure light of the Leo um, summer sun as it was rising is the first light that I saw. And um, through that lens, I'm going to talk about Leo um, because I'm a person that, that really sees the world through Leo-colored glasses. So I want to, to offer this transmission also just with that um, awareness that, um, yeah, I just want to share with you. Um, I'm going to talk about Leo from a personal space. So in what I'm going to talk about today, I also want to say and make clear that a lot of this understanding, of course, all of this understanding um, is coming through my conditioning and my lens um, as a, a white person, as a person who was assigned female at birth, as a person who has been um, on a uh, a long path of um, discovering and opening into my queerness. Um, and that means uh, a non-binary gender, inclusive gender experience, and also an expansive kind of experience around loving and relationship and intimacy. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, the experiences of my life. And two things that I've been working on a lot for a long time um, and very consciously for the last decade plus 
um, has been healing. Um, one, my relationship with my father. I'm a person that has um, definitely some parent issues. Uh, so I have a parent who um, really embodies um, a lot of the qualities that I'm going to talk about um, in terms of, of Leo and kind of how uh, this expression of Leo can um, fall into some of its dysfunction. And I also have another parent who died very early on. So I've been doing a lot of work around reparenting and, and kind of like healing my inner parent and attending my inner parental archetypes and attending to my inner child. Um, and then I've also in the last uh, decade or so been really trying to come to terms with whiteness and with what it means for me to be in a body that has white skin and therefore participates in white supremacy and benefits from white privilege. Um, and, you know, when we're in our bodies, it's normal for us to be experiencing what we're experiencing because those are the experiences of our bodies. So what is normal is also, um, you know, worth really exploring because what's normal becomes the, the climate, the background drone, the uh, assumption, the expectation. So as I'm uh, going to share, I'm, I'm also trying to speak through these lenses of my own experience. And uh, of course, there are um, a multitude of experiences that I have not had. And so if I say anything that lands on your ears, like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that, or, um, you know, Renee's missing something or something like that, um, just know, you know, that I know <laughs> that this is incomplete and I'm offering it from that place with love. And also, you know, for those of you who listen regularly, I always just want to say if I say anything that really lands to you as something that um, uh, needs some some more information um, and perspective, um, please reach out to me. I'm always really happy to hear from folks. And um, as, as part of my working with Leo and working with this energy, I'm really happy to receive feedback. Um, and it is a gift. So thank you. Okay. So let's get into this. So Leo is a sign that is ruled by the sun. And uh, this is part of this tradition that I come from, right? That at this time of year, the sun is strongest. And so the sun gets to be the ruler of Leo. And this is special because the sun is um, our star. It is the life giving energy to this planet. It gives heat and warmth, which allows life to flourish. And in our bodies, um, we resonate with the sun. So each of us has a heart and our hearts are our most central um, uh, kind of spaces of radiance and heat. Um, our hearts are pumping our blood and our blood is bringing warmth into our bodies. And so when we think about the sun in our solar system and we think about this incredible phenomena that um, pumps out warmth and that circulates warmth through its solar winds, um, creating a magnetic field that holds in the orbits of uh, numerous planetary bodies and asteroids and comets and a whole bunch of things that have their own moons and stuff like that. Um, 
all of us here in the solar system are held in orbit by the sun. Likewise, in our bodies, um, our material bodies form around our beating hearts, right? Our, our warmth. Um, we come into life and our hearts are beating. And when they stop beating, we die. And of course, our hearts beat in relationship with the air that we breathe, uh, with all of the fluids that um, are uh, around us, part of our elemental makeup. Um, our hearts are formed through matter, through material, through uh, dense stuff. Um, and then our bodies contain some kind of spirit. So whatever we want to think of that, our our soul, our spirit, is housed inside of these bodies. And who we are in these lives um, is, a, is a collection, right? We're a collection of experiences. We're a collection of relationships. We're a collection of what uh, materials we have consumed and how we nourish ourselves. And all of the things that we take in and that we are created by are held in orbit around our life force and whatever it is that animates our life force, our spirit, our soul. So in the language of astrology that I speak as an embodied astrologer, I want to think about Leo as a symbol for heart energy, for centrality, for warmth, for expression of life force. Um, just as, you know, our hearts are spreading out um, the life-giving energy that we need to every single cell in our bodies, the sun is doing that too. And I don't know about you, but I think it's really entertaining and pretty trippy to think about, you know, what if our earth is just one cell in a great cosmic body that is gathering around the central force of the sun? What if our solar system is its own body? Just like our bodies are made of collections of cells, uh, many of those cells, bacterial forms, other life forms <laughs> that exist in our own bodies, um, you know, being kept alive by our hearts, by our, our life energy, by our, by our vitality. And yeah, I mean, so cool, right? Like all that empty, uh, I'm using air quotes, empty space out there in space that is not so empty, that's full of solar winds, that's full of magnetism, that's full of, um, you know, invisible frequencies. The same as what science is starting to name existent in our bodies, in our cells and between ourselves as dark matter, um, as this materious, seemingly void-like substance that's full of intelligence and magnetism. So kind of cool, right? So when we um, connect in with Leo, let's connect in with the energy of our hearts and the vibration of our hearts. And let's not think about this as an energy that is uh, only accessible to you know people who have whatever planets in Leo or who are born in Leo season. This is energy for all of us. And Leo acts in all of our charts. The sun acts in all of our charts. And um, we all need to connect with our heart energetic. So 
the heart resonates most strongly um, at certain times, right? Like when do we really connect with our heart energetic? We connect when we are feeling love, when we're feeling joy, when we're feeling playfulness, um, when we get to lose track of psychological time and space and play pretend, you know, go into some kind of creative vortex um, where we just get to uh, expand in our imaginations and, um, you know, be fascinated by what we're creating, by what we're imagining. Um, our hearts are the strongest when we can be heartfelt, when we can be connecting with our hearts. And that means that when um, we can be authentic, when we can actually express our true selves, when we can be transparent and tender and vulnerable and human, when we can exist with all of our flaws and spaces of learning and feel like we're safe in the world and loved and we can, you know, be human beings and it's okay. And then we get to express our basic humanness that I think is the most basic in a state of play and in a state of love when our hearts are the strongest. I think this is probably the most essential quality of the human being and the human body and what, a, what we are potential uh, with. So Yes, Leo, we, we really want to strengthen this energy, you know, we really want to elevate it and uplift it. Um, and here I just want to call in the polarity between Leo and its opposing sign Aquarius, um, because they're part of the same energetic. Um, so like I was talking about, you know, the southern hemisphere being tipped away from the sun uh, at this time of year or in the Aquarius season that the northern hemisphere is tipped away from the sun, um, my experience of that time of year is that the sun is actually quite fierce, that the winter light is uh, really invigorating um, and it, it reminds us of the solar capacity. And Aquarius as a complement to Leo is the energy of circulation. So our hearts are pumping and giving warmth, and then something needs to circulate that warmth. So we have nervous system, we have fascia system, we have venous systems, we have connective tissue. We have uh, breath, Aquarius is an air sign. We have a, a central nervous system. Aquarius speaks to the connectivity of systems that orbit around, <laughs> that encapsulate and hold a container for um, the, 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 whatever is central, whatever is life-giving. And so when we think of Aquarius, we also want to think of uh, the connections that we have to other beings, because when our hearts are resonating most strongly, generally they are in good connection with other beings. Um, we can't feel heartfelt and able to be ourselves without the support of community around us. And even if we're feeling that way on our own, we need to have some entrainment around it um, and, and feel like it's okay to feel those things. You know, we, we need to have support to feel that way. Um, playing and being creative and feeling love and feeling joy uh, can totally happen on one's own, but they cannot happen in a vacuum.
So we need other people. We need community in order to express our hearts and to know our hearts and to be in our hearts. Um, and literally, you know, no one's heart is going to exist if there isn't a family. So with Leo, I also just want to call in Aquarius as part of this energetic, as part of the necessity for this energetic to function. Now, I heard once, um, and I can't remember where uh, I heard this, but I know that it was um, someone speaking in orientation to elemental medicine, um, I believe to Chinese medicine. And what I heard, and this has resonated with me, so, um, you know, to all the Chinese medicine practitioners out there, elemental medicine people, if, if you hear this and you can help elaborate what I'm about to say, please, um, any, if you have the energy, please, you know, let me know your thoughts. I'm super curious. So what landed for me was that all dis-ease, all illness, all pathology originates in a misalignment of the heart. So take that in for a second because I think it's really profound. All dis-ease begins in a misalignment of the heart. Don't take that super literally, right? I mean, we can definitely think about the organ of the heart and its postural orientation or whatever, but let's think about it as an energetic. So when our hearts cannot be in the states that make them strong, love, joy, playfulness, authenticity, etc., um, when they cannot be in these states regularly, and especially when life circumstances arise uh, in and from conditions that then result in um, damage to our hearts through lack, lack and scarcity, you know, not having what we need, not even having um, enough safety to feel any or, or, you know, much of these kinds of feelings that we really need. Um, punishment, you know, fe feeling somehow like we're wrong, um, feeling fearful of expressing ourselves, cruelty, stress, um, subservience, you know, like our, our hearts are strong when we can listen to them and be in rhythm with them and do the things that we love in our lives, you know, be in spaces of joy. And right now, um, there are conditions in this world that make it extremely challenging uh, for many. Actually, I think for most people, to feel like they can actually listen to their hearts. Um, we live in a world that's been built up around uh, economic priorities, capitalist priorities, and huge economic imbalances, um, where a, a very small fraction of people have enough of what they need to really, you know, quote unquote, listen to their hearts, uh, and do the things that they want to do. Um, but them having that privilege is entirely reliant upon a lot of people having less. And a lot of people having drastically less. 
So I'm not remembering the statistic right now, but I've read this statistic recently, you know, that it's a huge percentage of the human population right now who are living in conditions of modern enslavement. Um, you know, who, who basically need to pay in order to work and to keep their jobs and to keep any kind of um, access to any kind of their basic needs. And without even that kind of extreme uh, economic disparity, so many of us live our lives day to day in states of scarcity and feeling like we have to participate in things that we don't want to be doing, in jobs that we don't want to be working, uh, laboring for stuff that we don't care about, and that maybe oftentimes we actively despise. And we have to do that because we need to survive. Because if we uh, don't do that, then there are um, consequences of lack, of punishment, of marginalization and suffering. Now, there is also a huge percentage of our population um, who are victims of violence, who are being victim to violence. Um, and it's definitely worth saying that these um, experiences of being a victim of violence, um, of personal violences and systemic violences are due to, of course, the same conditions that have built the economic imbalance and conditions of modern slavery that I was just talking about. So these systems um, of suffering rely completely on control and extraction of wealth and resources um, of a huge amount of people, of a huge amount of land for, you know, just a couple of people to have the things that they need. And control and extraction uh, inevitably is going to result in disputes because nobody wants to be taken advantage of. Nobody wants uh, someone else to come in and steal their shit uh, or force them to work in ways that they don't want to. And so there are so many wars that are happening right now. So many wars on this planet, some wars that have been going on for decades, um, civil wars, proxy wars, uh, cold wars, so many wars that have been going on for so long, which means that so many people are constant victims of violence. Our hearts are suffering on this planet and this suffering to me feels like um, in many ways a big imbalance of the Leo energy. So when Leo, um, this heart energy, gets disrupted, when it becomes mutated, when there's a misalignment in the heart, we can see this uh, through examples in states of being. Um, these conditions of misalignment occur because we are forced to live in misalignment with our heart's need. Um, we're suffering instead of feeling playful and joy. Um, we're grieving and feeling sadness and being immersed in tragedy instead of um, connecting with happiness and collaboration and uh, being able to enjoy our lives. You know, human beings know how to good, have a good time. It's like we want to have a good time. 
so enslavement and, and labor, you know, do not equal uh, creative exploration and losing track of psychological time and absorbing oneself in delight. Um, isolation, conditions of isolation and feeling like we're alone and fearful in the world do not relate with feeling loved and feeling the, the conditions that we need to be tenderhearted and transparent. So these misalignments in our hearts then become cause for deficiency, excess, and mutation in the heart energy. And so we can see this in states of grief, dissociation, addiction, escapism, um, projection, you know, not being able to um, be tenderhearted and transparent. So we project shit onto other people and then we uh, end up you know, in some kind of state of violence and mistrust or survival-based responses, um, internalized violence, aggression, feelings of scarcity, also feelings of greed and hoarding. Um, the will, you know, this all results in willingness and desire to abuse ourselves and abuse others and inflict harm and pass on suffering. So we got a problem, right? We have a problem in our world that is a, an illness and a dis-ease and it's affecting all of us. And there is a big misalignment of the heart. And that misalignment um, continues to be embodied and reinforced in all of our experiences and all of our bodies through the ways that it continues to pass on, to be perpetuated through our individual actions and reactions, and very much through the uh, systemic violences that have been built upon these experiences and that have been built by these experiences. And Though it's easy to, to say like, okay, well, there is a fraction of people and they have all this wealth and they can enjoy themselves, or there were colonizers and they uh, had, had guns, germs, and steel, um, and then they're the perpetrators, you know, I think it's important to recognize that this misalignment of the heart is suffering for all of us. And that a person who has a ton of money but lives in fear of losing their money and lives with the karmic weight upon their spirit, that they are responsible for mass suffering. Because let's get real, you know, the, the suffering that Jeff Bezos creates with his employment policies or uh, labor practices or the ways that he is promoting um, extraction, that suffering is exponentially larger than the suffering that, um, you know, someone without that much access to power and money is going to create. And that's a weight upon his spirit. I believe he might, he might be having an experience of, you know, kicking back and relaxing sometimes, but I don't know when I imagine into, uh, the, the spiritual health, of a person that has that kind of weight upon their spirit, um, I only can imagine mutation. I only can imagine uh, deep, deep, deep toxicity. So I don't think that this that this state is uh, any, you know, less bad <laughs> um, for anyone because we're all existing in it and. For sure, there are many different experiences of how the suffering falls upon our bodies. 
But the fact is, is that it is falling upon our bodies. And as it continues to fall upon our bodies, as it continues to be um, passed down and inherited and expanded upon, um, then it has become part of our programming. It's become part of our lineage. And so systems are built upon it, right? Whether it's the education system or the labor system or a nonprofit system or the way that, you know, people are in their relationships or how they're relating to food and to their bodies or to their children. All of these ways of being have been shaped around these misalignments. This is an ancient, ancient pattern. And from this place of patterning and of programming, we can only continue to reinforce and reenact it unless or until we realize that it's there and we begin to remediate it. And the good news is, is that uh, we can realize that it's here and we can work to reme remediate it. And we probably won't do a perfect job and we won't be able to do everything. And as individuals, we can only do the work that we can. But this is the work of harm reduction and transformative justice. <laughs> this is where we want to engage ourselves so that we can start to heal the heart. Um, and in order to remediate, we have to work from where we begin, from our most central and systemic functioning. We have to examine our baseline vibrations, our alignments and our attunements, and we have to begin to repattern the ways that we attune to our own hearts. And this means that we need to become sensitive to the misalignments in our hearts. We have to uh, learn to feel into where we're acting um, in ways that are not actually in service to our hearts when we're acting from fear, when we're acting from greed, when we're acting from mistrust, when we're acting from competition. Those are all misalignments in our heart vibrations. They keep us from loving. They keep us from trusting. They keep us from loving and trusting ourselves and our own instincts. And they continue to ripple out vibrations of suffering. Even for those of us that aren't Jeff Bezos. Even for those of us that, you know, live our lives with a lot of intentionality around healing, um, this is constant work and it takes extreme courage, bravery and passion and commitment and tenacity and deep desire. These are all Leo qualities. When you read about Leo, these are all qualities that arise from the heart wanting to be healthy and wanting to be healed. And this work is so big, you know, it's so old it's so fucking big. It's so old and good chance it will not be completed in any of our lifetimes. Um, but the more that we engage with it, the more we also engage with what strengthens and clarifies and heals our hearts. And the more we engage with it, the more we can engage with community and the more that we can uplift this work in our community because the bigger, uh, you know, a sphere of influence and vibration that we can have, the more people that we can get on board to do this heart healing work, um, the more that we then are supported to do our work. Um, so we don't only have to do the work in our central internal locations, right? Our, our own vibrations, our own essence, Leo. We also have to do the work interstitially, peripherally, 
in the system that we are a part of, in our community, Aquarius, so that we can, um, you know, really benefit from this mutual investment of care and encouragement and support that has to happen for us and for for all of the people who are around us, influencing us with all of their decisions and all of their ways of being, um, for us all to resonate from our hearts. So this is exponential. When we do this work in ourselves, we help our communities do this work. When our communities are doing this work, we are so supported to do this work. Now, I want to just take a pause and elevate that there are so many of us doing this work right now. And, um, thanks for tuning into this podcast. You know, you are one of, um, a a huge, um, a huge grouping of people who are investing themselves in this kind of content right now. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot of, um, diviners and intuitives and healers and mystics and philosophers and teachers who are all saying the same things who have been saying this for a very long time. So this isn't new knowledge. Uh, it's just re being rearticulated in this moment now, um, through me and also being rearticulated in my community, um, so much. And I'm so grateful to be listening and in conversation with all of you. So thank you. Um, so how do we support this work? Um, I think there are a couple, well, a lot of ways, and I want to talk about a few of them, um, and kind of promote them to you, uh, for, for our lives. And then also for Leo season, because this is an incredible season that we're moving into, uh, ripe with possibility for doing this work, um, ready for possibility, uh, excuse me, ready for this work. And I think that you maybe feel this possibility. Um, and again, even though there's so much to be, fearful and deeply despairing of in our world, I do want to say that, um, you know, the extremes rise together. And I don't know, I mean, as much as there is to be fearful of and despairing of, I talk to a lot of people um, across many different intersections of identities all over the world. And every single person I talk to is doing this work and is engaging themselves in it. And that means something to me. I think that there is enough of us now who want this, that we can actually be, um, you know, quite influential at this time. And I think that, again, it probably won't happen in our lifetimes, but I think we can make some serious change uh, coming up in these next few years. And in these next few months, we can really um, work with the change and the momentum that has been building and has been gathering um, for ever, right? Because human beings have been doing this work for a long time. So some of the ways that I think that we can do this that I would like to promote um, are first this more central approach, working with ourselves. We can work to celebrate our own wellness, our heart body, mind, spirit, wellness, our integrity. We can work to celebrate our true selves, 
You know, and I, again, just really want to affirm that I deeply believe that our true selves, if, if we are allowed the conditions um, to be able to really feel into our own heart energy, our true selves, you know, want to exist in happiness. It feels good to love. So when we can celebrate that true essential quality, uh, we can do this work. And how can we do that? We can affirm being a whole person and being whole people, right? So Leo Aquarius, the, the center and the periphery, we include all kinds of idiosyncrasies and paradoxes and, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of baggage. So we have to affirm uh, our goodness, right? Our basic goodness, our, our kind of essential qualities, our strengths, our talents, our natural interests. We have to affirm this for ourselves and for one another. We want to affirm each other's beings, our most essential beings, our, our natural ways of being. We don't want to mutate uh, or, or negatively mutate ourselves and each other um, by not affirming, by devalidating, by devaluing who a person naturally is. Um, you know, so shout out to some of the parents I've been working with recently who are raising uh, non-binary and gender queer children. Um, you've popped into my head when I was saying that and just thank you, you know, thank you for um, not imposing upon your child some kind of thing that they have to be, but really working to help them cultivate themselves and to love themselves and to be themselves. This is the kind of work that we need to do for each other in all of the places where, you know, there has been some kind of, of thought oppression or expression oppression. <laughs> Um, we also need to uh, value and, and affirm each other's humanness, so our flaws and our failings, and help ourselves and help each other rewire the fear of failure and the fear of being bad. Um, so many of us, and I'm going to talk about this in a second, uh, so many of us have been conditioned by this, um, you know, Christian, or I don't know, it certainly isn't just only existent in Christianity, so sorry, scratch that, but um, th this kind of moralistic, binary, um, oftentimes very religiously rooted uh, orientation towards good and bad. Um, so many of us have been conditioned by that. And then uh, those instincts, of course, have rippled out into all the isms. And there's a huge fear of failure that I think most of us have, and a huge fear of being flawed. Um, so how can we work to, to heal our hearts? We can work to hold humanness together and to help each other learn and to not, um, you know, it, it's, it's beyond call-out culture and cancel culture. It's just this, you know, horrible repercussion of, of shaming and blaming for people who are being people, who don't include an entire perspective, who can only be who and where they are. So how do we help, you know, really love uh, each other in all of our imperfection? How do we make space for tenderness, for transparency, for vulnerability, um, allowing ourselves and giving support uh, for one another to, to be real, 
right? And to not hate or hide themselves. So this work of, of celebrating our wholeness and celebrating our wellness is one of the ways that we can really engage with, with what Leo wants to offer. And we can do this work by uh, doing spiritual inner work, um, by doing ancestral repatterning, uh, by self-educating, you know, there's a lot to learn about trauma. There's a lot to learn about um, systemic trauma and intergenerational trauma. And if we can build some kind of baseline competency in our communities for trauma awareness, we can really do this work a lot more effectively. And again, I want to elevate that this work is happening. There's so much language for this right now. And so much language that's coming through calls for leadership um, with movement for Black Lives, with movement to defund the police. It's like this is really at the core, I think, of these missions that we are build, we are needing to build trauma awareness. We are needing to build awareness of what happens when people suffer, that suffering begets more suffering. And if we want to live in healthy, happy communities and societies, we need to take care of each other and we need to take care of the people who are not getting cared for in the most extreme ways first. And Finally, you know, we can do this work by receiving healing and we can give ourselves healing. We can practice self-care and self-love and we can also turn to each other for healing. There are so many brilliant healers right now who are working, embodiment practitioners, uh, counselors, psychotherapists, coaches, spiritual healers, peer counselors, you know, people who are sharing knowledge and helping one another reconnect and, and heal. And we can help each other access healing. And so I think one of the, the best ways we can support this work in our community, this, this inner work in our community, is to support other people to access this healing. Um, I, I want to give a plug right now for a part for a project I've been a part of um, called Radical Rest uh, that was initiated by T. Aisha Edwards, who is a guest on Embodied Astrology um, a while ago now, maybe a year or two ago. Um, they are a, a trauma therapist and do a lot of work with ancestral healing. And um, they have initiated this, this project, Radical Rest, which offers free and by donation um, healing to uh, BIPOC folks and especially to folks who are activists, organizers, community care workers. And there's all kinds of, of healing services available. Um, on the website and they are, uh, Radical Rest is having a pop-up um, beginning on July 24th. So if you hear this soon, it's, it's a week-long pop-up and then it is hopefully going to become something that's kind of more of a permanent offering. Um, so check that out if you Google Radical Rest. And for um, non-BIPOC folks, if you want to support that work, um, send some money that, their way um, and also look for initiatives and organizations and collectives like this in your own community because they are sprouting up everywhere. Because again, this is knowledge that's occurring for all of us right now and movement that's occurring for all of us. So this is happening and I just want to keep affirming that. 
Um, other ways that we can do the work of Leo um, have to do now with, with this kind of Aquarius side of the Leo energy, the ways that we come into action, the ways that we are actively engaging with our communities. So we can come into action through participating with calls to change legislation, to fund humanness and defund war, right? To defund the police, to defund and abolish the incarceration system in the military, um, and to put those funds instead into community care, into community accountability and repair programs for people who are perpetuating violence, for people who are caught up in systemic abuse and uh, trying to survive in it. Um, into mental health services, into housing, into education. Um, when we do what we can to help people access their basic needs, safe housing, clean food and water, um, access to services, opportunities to, you know, to, to be educated, to expand minds and cultivate someone's talents and gifts, these are like basic needs. So when we help that work move along, we are helping ourselves. We are helping our own hearts be healthy. So in a minute, I'm going to talk more about Leo season and, and timing. Um, but I want to say just in general that these two ways, um, this kind of focus on healing in the inner, healing with the self, which of course happens in community, and then healing in the outer, in the systems. When we can support those, we can, we can do some work. And so for all of us right now who are wondering what we can do, there is so much that we can do. We can self-educate. We can do our own healing work, our own spiritual work. We can give money, lend support, uh, encourage the people around us to also do this work, to access the healing that they need and to take it on. And then in whatever ways we can, we can support systemic change through action, through legislation. You sign those petitions, you make those phone calls, you send that money, you get out there and raise your voice and learn, you know, learn about these movements, learn about defund the police. 55% of Americans are against um, this right now, this as an idea. Um, that might be a majority, but it's not a huge majority. If we mobilize over the next several months and really do what we can to educate our families, our communities, um, ourselves about what this work is, I think we can make some progress. And I'm actively right now promoting this <laughs> on my platform. Um, use your voting power. Use your energy to learn about the movement for black lives and the movement to defund the police. Learn everything you can, and then you'll recognize that it's, uh, you know, policy suggestions and community suggestions that are in the best interest for all of us. Um, these, the, the suggestions that I'm seeing coming forward in these movements are some of the most sane and reasonable suggestions I have ever seen in my entire life for how to be in society. So please learn about it if you haven't already. Um, 
Okay, so I want to go a little bit deeper into some of this and and do what I can to also help tie this into astrology and to uh, what's going on in Leo season and also what's coming up for us in the next year or two. Um, so I mentioned ancestral repatterning and spiritual work, um, and this is necessary because these patterns, these uh, heart misalignment patterns run really deep. Like, I don't know where they start. Do you know where they start? What, you know, who was the first person to um, forget that their happiness and well-being was contingent upon the earth that they lived on and the relationships that they were engaging in? Who, who was the first person who got separated? Where's the root of this dysfunction? So when I think through the lens of astrology, and again, astrology is part of an oracular tradition that works with history, you know, we think about cycles, we think about seasons of time, we use planetary cycles to uh, measure eras. So for me, um, my, uh, the, the, my conscious knowledge, like what I can grasp at in terms of stories that I know, um, you know, pr pretty much are limited to um, a, a small sliver within the last few thousand years. And I say small sliver, right, because of my training coming um, through my body of, of white European descent. And um, there's been a whole lot else that's been going on these last thousand years. So when I'm thinking about these patterns, I am thinking uh, into what's called the Piscean Age by a lot of astrologers. Um, the, the age of Pisces is, um, roughly 2,500 years, 2000 to 3000 years. There is not really any clear kind of delineation around how long it actually is or when it actually changes. Um, but we know that we are on the cusp of, uh, the age of Aquarius, the Aquarian age. And this has to do with, um, uh, something that's actually happening in terms of, um, the uh, what's called precession of the equinoxes. So if you wanna learn more about that, I'm not gonna talk about it, but you could Google it. Um, so anywho, the Piscean age is, um, I think, largely defined by traditions that are um, either uh, monotheistic or that somehow separate human from God. Um, so this, original separation, right, that I'm curious about. I really don't know where it started, but it occurs to me that maybe a, a big taproot um, in this dysfunction and in this separation is in the, the time and space and psyche of when human beings um, started to project God, the divine force, outside of themselves when we stopped recognizing that they were inside and that they were part of everything that's around us. So in these last several thousand years, we've had many traditions that separate human being from divine. And the Abrahamic traditions in particular, the monotheistic traditions that have named God as one and masculine, um, have really done a number on our psyche in terms of this pattern of separation and the suffering that comes from it. 
And from this split, what I'm going to call a primary split between um, God and self, we have dualism, binaries, uh, judgments of what is, you know, godly or ungodly, good or bad, pure or dirty, that has led um, to a kind of preoccupation and non-presence or devaluing and outright contempt or abuse for everything deemed dirty, bad, and ungodly, and an insane fascination and attachment with somehow achieving uh, what is not here, what is not existent in the phenomenal realm, the pure, the good, the godly that exists somewhere else, right? And that exists with all these clauses and conditions and judgments around it, ways you need to prove yourself in order to access it. That's pretty messed up. I think that's a, that's, that, you know, that's fake news right there. That is um, propaganda um, meant to harm us. And this propaganda has led to a secondary split, right? So everything that is uh, dirty, bad, ungodly, um, where does this then get cast when the image of God is a man? It gets cast upon the feminine. Now, I want to be clear here that the feminine definitely includes women, but it also includes any proximity to womanness or femaleness or feminness. Um, so this is violence for, for men, right? This is violence for people who are born with penises and experience the desire to embody any kind of femininity. It sucks for, for everybody. Um, that split between the masculine and feminine is another false split, right? So human and God energy are part of the same thing. Uh, the stories are that God creates life and humans and then here, humans live on Earth as beings with incredible potential for creation. We're manifesting around us all the time. We're constantly creating things. We are gods. We are goddesses. We are creators. We use energy to bring manifestation, to, to move energy into form. We create our realities. We co-create our own realities. Not one individual can create their own reality, right? Leo Aquarius, we co-create with each other. So now we have this, you know, secondary split arising from a primary split between divine energy and self, the secondary split of masculine and feminine, um, also false, uh, false thinking, faulty news, bad news, right? <laughs> Fake news. Um, they create each other, right? The seed and the egg are coming from the same thing. They are creating the same thing. Humans are creating each other. Masculine and feminine are uh, two ends of a spectrum that include and encompass so many variations and no one is only one thing. And so in this current paradigm that has arisen from this split, feminists, you know, anything that's associated with womanness or femaleness or, or whatever we want to associate with that, whether it's being cavities within the body, you know, holes within the body, the ability to uh, make a baby, the, the reality of bleeding, um, softness, emotionality, tenderness, the desire to care for others, wanting to dress up, wanting to be beautiful. I don't know, like what's feminist? You know, it's not something that is only relegated to the sphere of people with vaginas. 
So anything that's close to feminist then gets treated as something to be subservient to what's closer to masculineness, to maleness. And feminist then is suppressed. We suppress it in ourselves. We suppress it in others. And we also then identify with it in um, an, an unequal way, an imbalanced or disempowered way. This leads to then, you know, violation and violence, an internalized violation and violence. It leads to, uh, you know, people having many experiences of um, ownership, right? Like all over the world, still to this day, so many people are taught that women are here to be in subservience to men, people with vaginas, to people with penises. The fuck? That thinking creates disruption, dysfunction within the psyche of all of us. Because then, you know, who, whoever is the oppressor then has to play that role, has to inflict that violence. On some level, that distorts the heart. From, you know, this primary and secondary split between God and self, masculine and feminine, there are so many tertiary splits. There are the splits between people who are temporarily abled, who feel strong and vital in their bodies, and people who are experiencing illnesses or weaknesses or fragilities, people who are old, people who are young, people who have different abilities in their bodies. There are splits between people who have and who have not, you know, and, and this system of meritocracy that... Um, somehow confuses human value with dollar value, coin value, currency value, the have and have not, the haves being somehow better, God's on their side, while the have nots uh, deserve it because they're, you know, closer to feminists, closer to ungodliness, whatever. And of course, the split between dark and light, colorism, um, and racism. So I want to kind of make a parallel, uh, draw some lines of continuity through the ancestral and intergenerational splits that go back a really, really, really long time. Again, I don't know where they started, but they started with some kind of basic misinformation and distortion that created a split in the psyche of consciousness and that split has continued to reverberate and manifest and mutate into all kinds of splits and into a kind of fractured ego identity that is most of our inheritance. It's what we learn because it totally permeates our families and our parents and the cultures that we live, that somehow we are split. We're split from each other. We can't trust each other. And all of the many reasons that, that come up around that and all of the many experiences internally where we're split from ourselves, where we can't, um, you know, acknowledge and connect with our God selves, where we can't acknowledge and connect with the, the, the gender expression of, you know, this huge spectrum of possibility that exists outside of a totally stupidly reductive binary. We can't connect with the parts of ourselves that are um, all descendant of black people, right? <laughs> the human race started on the African continent. This construction of, of race and, you know, identity based on color, it's a construction. 
It's, it's a real experience that people live, but it's based in a false premise of separation and difference. So part of the work, I think a big part of the work that we're doing right now that we want to do and that Leo uh, as an energy guides us towards is healing from these splits because these splits equate, they equal, uh, they've made systems right? They've, they've built themselves into industries and economies and religions and uh, familial systems and, and gender constructs and meritocracy and da, da 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 So we've got all these systems that have been built on faulty thinking. And there's a, a, a lack of recognition that everyone is part of and is made from each other, that we all rely on each other, right? We have to uh, include each other in our self-concept. We are all God. This is the Leo Aquarius wisdom or some of the wisdom. We co-create our conditions. The perpetuation um, of this split, uh, because humans actually do, I think, want to live in alignment with our hearts. We actually do really want to live with pleasure and with joy. But there's perpetuation of the split in our attempts to do that a lot of times, because in this paradigm, pleasure and joy equate with um, suffering, greed, addiction, states of separation. And those states of suffering are reliant, they're dependent upon other suffering, slavery, extraction. So we have to heal these splits, right? We have to heal them in our own psyches and simultaneously we have to recognize these splits existent within the, the essence of our systems and we have to work to heal the splits in our systems. If we heal ourselves but we don't work to heal the system, we can't heal ourselves because we live within the system. And if the system continues to create harm, then we can't heal and we're stuck in the same cycle. We're stuck in suffering and we're stuck in perpetuating suffering. And suffering has an impact, right? So if we're suffering, then we spread suffering. We slime suffering all over our relationships. That suffering radiates exponentially into everything around us. And the more power that we have and the more privilege we have, the more suffering we can create in the world. We are gods, right? We are the divine energy that is this planet. We exist in relationship with the elements, with the elemental beings. We can form matter. We can use information. We can uh, flow with water, right? Like we're here to, to create together. So how do we do this work? Again, how do we do this work? We have to educate ourselves. Um, we have to build collective consciousness. So we build consciousness in ourselves and then we talk about it with each other, right? Like, what do you think about this idea? Um, wow, I've been learning about this kind of trauma and recognizing it's really in my family. Do you see this in your family? Um, hey, I've been learning about this kind of trauma. It's really in our family. How can we learn more about it so that we can uh, start to heal it? We can do this work by self-care and self-love. 
And I really want to emphasize this because it is um, really painful to do a lot of this work, to look at these seeds of suffering that live within our own beings and the ways that we perpetuate them in the world. It's totally overwhelming. It's completely fatiguing. It feels completely impossible because it's so big and it's so old. And it's really messy to start to untie from this because we're all wrapped up in it. We're all implied. You know, we've all created conditions of suffering for one another. So we have to do this messy work. Um, and we need to care for ourselves in order to do this messy work. So as much as we can, we want to care for our bodies. We want to practice loving ourselves. We want to spiritually cleanse. We want to engage with ritual or ceremony that can help strengthen and fortify our passion and our commitment. We have to help those around us to access healing and access support because if they're accessing healing and support, they're going to help us access healing and support. And we need healing. We need spiritual healing. We need physical healing. We need mental healing. We need psychic healing. We need sexual healing. We need economic healing. How can we support this in ourselves and with one another? Well, this month of Leo season, um, through my lens, uh, as I read these symbols, is a season that is ripe with opportunities. There are so many opportunities to do this work because we have energy for it. And this is a big uh, message of Leo season. There is energy to do this work. And when we apply our energy and we focus it and we direct it, we can actually shift some shit. So I want to call us all in. Um, throughout this month of Leo season, as the sun and then Mercury travel through Leo, we have consciousness coming into our hearts. We have invigoration and vitality and intelligence coming into our hearts. The sun, consciousness, invigoration, vitality, Mercury, intelligence, awareness, ability to articulate, talk about, share. So over the course of Leo season, the sun is going to be forming several aspects. And I want to just talk about these aspects briefly. Um, and I'm going to kind of uh, go over the dates for them, for, for them. But I do also want to say that um, I go in depth um, with with these aspects and working with them and timing um, in the workshop for Leo season that I offered yesterday and also in the subscribers month ahead extended content. So the, the extended recording and the calendar. Um, so there's a lot more information there. So in brief, I want to say that over Leo season, this entire season is full of opportunity. From July 25th to the 31st, uh, Jupiter and Neptune will be sextile with one another. Jupiter's in Capricorn and Neptune is in Pisces. Um, without going into big explanation of the, these planets, their symbols, their signs, da-da-da, I want to say that we have already started to do all of this work that I've been talking about. This has been work that humans have been doing for a very, very long time. And a lot of this wisdom um, is uh, having a kind of resurgence right now. So a lot of people, myself included, are involving ourselves with cultivating intuition, with deepening our sense of energetic attunement, with building compassion, with practicing mindfulness. And 
these desires to do this work, um, of course, are um, supported by one another, supported by everything that's come before us, and very much provoked by the state of the world and the state of the world's suffering. So as suffering continues to expand through the conditions of pandemic, through the conditions of um, uh, militant response to constitutionally um, you know, validated uprising and what have you, um, our intuitions get stronger. Our capacities for empathy and compassion are boosted. We feel more and more aligned with purpose. So this is how I'm reading Jupiter sextile with Neptune. And uh, July 25th through July 31st, this aspect is really strong, although this aspect also continues throughout the month of Leo season and over the next several months um, because this is a, a recurring aspect and it will recur again in October. It um, formed its first perfection in uh, March, March, April. So work with your intuition, right? Check in with all of your divination practices, meditate, listen to your heart. Um, in the month ahead for subscribers, all I talk about is like different ways to listen to the heart, connect with the energy of the heart and attune um, because we really need intuitive guidance right now in order to be working together um, in tandem with one another. Um, we are all doing this work. We want to, we want to flock together. We want to move together. And, you know, there's a lot of people doing this work. There's a lot of information out there. We can't all be on the phone with each other all the time, coordinating our calendars. So we have to tune into the psychic calendar. <laughs> so <laughs> tune in. Um, the sun is making uh, soft aspects, the sun and Mercury will be forming trines to a grouping of objects, planets, um, and such in the sign of Aries. And Aries is another fire sign. Um, and in Aries, we have the, the self-concept. So all of the, the fire signs, the fire triplicity really uh, kind of holds the central axis of self and self-awareness and self-identification. And in the sign Aries, we have the self-concept. Um, and moving through Aries right now, we have um, the centaur planet Chiron, we have the lunar apogee Lilith, we have the planet Mars, and then we have the dwarf planet Eris. And um, again, I go more in depth into these aspects um, in the workshop and the month ahead. So just the dates right now and a couple key words for some timing. Uh, the sun trines Chiron on July 31st. So from uh, now, basically this recording through July 31st, this is an applying aspect. It is growing in strength. Um, uh, post July 31st, this is an integrating aspect. It's something we're really, you know, working to embody and continue to practice and continue to bring consciousness towards. So this aspect really assists us in the ancestral piece, especially in navigating and locating um, our paths to healing. And with Chiron, we are reminded that crisis is an opportunity for healing and that 
you know, when crisis arises, when conditions are really bad, sometimes it makes it incredibly clear how much we need healing and exactly what kind of healing we need and how we can get it. And <laughs> we, we get filled with urgency. So, um, you know, fill yourself with the urgency to heal and to heal your ancestral lineages to kind of feel into where are these splits and disruptions and misalignments of the heart that allow uh, all of us to continue to perpetuate violence, whether it's, um, you know, violence against women, violence against black people, people of color, violence against the earth. Um, we want to do less harm, right? So when we tune in with the messages of Chiron, we tune in with our healing journey. Um, on, gotta find my dates here. On August 12th, um, the sun will form a trine with Lilith. So when I was talking about the split, this first split between uh, human being and God force, or man and woman, I am speaking specifically to the resonance of Lilith. Um, as a mythic figure. So when we investigate Lilith's uh, mythology and cosmology, we investigate stories of um, uh, first an original continuity between goddess, between creator, creatrix, and the human being, and a continuity between masculine and feminine, a continuity between life and death, no split, no separation. And then through Lilith's mythology, we learn about first the primary separation of human from God, then the separation of masculine feminine, then the separation into good and bad. And so working with Lilith, we can work to reclaim and come into right relationship with our splits. So when you feel yourself, um, you know, you, when you when you hear your own voice vibrating with internalized misogyny or white supremacy or externalized through judgment through whatever you know however it is that you're vibrating with splits good bad whatever work with Lilith <laughs> work with Lilith um, so from now until August twelfth this aspect is applying and after August twelfth it's integrating so. You know, again, ancestor work, really focusing on the splits. August um, 16th, the sun will come into trine with Mars at the time that Mars is conjunct with Eris in Aries. So Mars, warrior energy, force, action. Eris, um, the, the residual collection of discord, the accumulated vibration of what happens when people are excluded, forgotten, violated, rejected, denied, uprising. When I'm tuning into a lot of these symbols, um, I can't help but really appreciate the ways that... Um, that, that leadership is manifesting right now. I mean, thinking about these symbols, thinking about what has been split, what has been severed, and also the accumulated force of what has been forgotten, and uh, looking at what's happening in terms of Movement for Black Lives being the largest social movement in history, 
and a social movement that is founded upon the premise of caring for those who are most marginalized first and an understanding that systemic violences and marginalization of people are not separate from exploitation, extraction, and abuse of our planet. Again, some of the, the most sane, intelligent, you know, right on thinking that I've ever heard. It's so clear. Um, thank you to, <laughs> to the, the black women and the queer people and the people of color and the indigenous folks who are leading these movements. If you don't already know, please learn. This is part of the work that we get to do right now. So the sun is going to try in these symbols. At the same time, uh, the sun will be in conjunction with Mercury, an important moment in the Mercury cycle, uh, symbolic of a time when we can really organize our thinking around long-term strategy, when we can really organize our thinking to include historic precedent and to think, um, you know, uh, strategically, right, about where we want to go in the future. And at the same time, um, both the Sun and Mercury will be in conjunct um, 150 degrees from Pluto and Capricorn. And this is an incredible uh, aspect in the uh, ability that it has to change things in unexpected ways. Now, also this month, the sun will form a square to Uranus and Taurus, and this uh, happens on August 2nd, um, the day before the full moon on August 3rd. And I think that this is a really cool invitation to think um, in new, innovative, rebellious ways about money and resources. Um, I personally really enjoy this work. Um, I really enjoy upsetting capitalism in my own being, experimenting with sliding scale, with donation-based platforms, with financial accessibility, but also as I've become uh, financially sustainable for myself, now starting to really participate with solidarity economies and mutual aid and thinking about generating and regenerating resource with one another. And money isn't the only resource, right? So we can share resources through uh, access to land and materials and tools. We can uh, share resources in all kinds of different ways in terms of services that we can provide, etc. So we need to really shift these systems. And again, uh, economic imbalance is one of the major players in perpetuating suffering on this planet. So this month brings incredible opportunity to really uh, shift some systems. Now, Uranus and Taurus is an energy that is a destabilizing economic energy anyway. And I just want to say that, you know, um, uh, <laughs> chaos is the mother of invention and opportunity is born out of crisis and, and crisis can be a healing opportunity. That doesn't mean that there aren't casualties and a lot of suffering that happens with crisis because there are. So let's do what we can to remediate and alleviate as much suffering as we possibly can by reading the writing on the wall. You know, if economies are crashing and things are feeling really chaotic and uh, there isn't the care that we need to not make people sick around us, you know, to, to not um, have to work, to not go uh, spread disease everywhere, if there isn't the care and the systemic um, support in place so that we can fucking just care for each other, then we need to change the system, right? We, we need to make some changes. And 
it looks to me like Leo season is a time when the conditions are right. And so this definitely can mean that chaos uh, uh, gets bigger. And it also feels like a time when we are pushed to take action, to make movement on um, uh, what you know, has been building for quite some time. And so this action and this movement on what has been building for quite some time is described by um, what's happening in Aries or between Aries and Capricorn this month. Um, Mars is in Aries, as I talked about last month in Cancer season, and Mars will be in Aries until January of next year. It'll go retrograde um, between September and November. And because of Mars's retrograde, it will form squares to um, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn in Capricorn, and it will form those squares three times. So it will form them once in direct motion, twice through retrograde, and then a third time when it turns direct again. As it forms these squares, it is also connecting repeatedly with Eris with the symbol of the accumulated residue of all that has been denied, forgotten, rejected, excluded, and scapegoated. We need to care for those who are most marginalized first because the upswelling of suffering and the absolute righteous fury and rage <laughs> that, that will push back against the systems that perpetuate suffering um, will be complete and it will be absolute. But you know, that fury might come in the form, will come in a lot of forms, right? It comes in the form of environmental chaos. It comes in the form of economic chaos. It comes in the form of rebellion and uprising and anarchy, but it's coming. And so how do we work with it? How do we align our forces, Mars? How do we align our energy and our action and our intention and our passion? How do we get on board with our warrior energy to dismantle these systems and to build the new ones that we need? So over Leo season, Mars will square these Capricorn placements. It will square Jupiter on August 3rd and 4th. It will square um, Pluto on August 13th and 14th. And it will square Saturn on August 24th. So just a couple of days after we get um, out of Leo season uh, and into Virgo season, Mars will square Saturn. And then all of these aspects will get repeated uh, soon after that when Mars turns retrograde in Virgo season. So when Mars is contacting these uh, planets in Capricorn, we have the, the planet of action and the concentration of um, you know, individuals, people who are fighting for their lives, people who are rallying around the, the right to live, their basic right to live. This is Aries energy. Um, in a hard aspect, in square to Capricorn, a symbol that describes um, governance, patriarchy, tradition, conservative uh, elements, as well as the accumulation of power into structure, into system. So the system, systemic structures. Um, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn all acting together. Um, death forces, authorities, misuses of power, judges, and the law. As we 
do this work, we have to take on all of it because all of it is also taking on us. <laughs> so right now, as I speak in Portland, Oregon, the president of the United States has sent in militarized federal agents, um, many of whom are, you know, pretty, who, who the fuck knows who they are? You know, these agents who've been taken from ICE and DHS, um, who really haven't had any kind of like oversight or approval process in their hiring, um, being paid to terrorize people exercising their constitutional rights of protest and gathering. Um, the Republicans, right, talking about how they're going to put in as many new judges as they possibly can. Um, acts of terrorism being, um, being undertaken against more liberal-leaning judges' families. Um, you know, this, this is like stuff that's happening in, right, like any kind of dictatorship. Um, and that's what's happening in the United States, and that's what's happening all around the world. And what has been happening uh, largely at the hands of the U.S., all around the world for a long time. So this energy gets peaked with Mars squared Capricorn, as does the, the resistance to that energy. And so as we move through Leo season, um, you know, people are going to get riled up. We have to, we have to take action. So how can you take action? You know, is it that you're out there protesting? Is it that you are on the phone, um, you know, blowing up the phone of your elected officials? Is it that you are working through money? Is it that you're educating young people? You know, how is it that you are going to take action? We all have a role to play, but we all need to get into gear. We need to, to align ourselves with action. Um, so Leo season is, is ripe again with possibility and with opportunity to do this work, to do the inner work and to do the outer work. And for me, when I tune into these symbols, um, this is how it's making sense to me. So I hope that any of that is um, useful and interesting for you. If you would like to work more with the symbolism to um, connect more with my interpretation, then please again, check out the workshop that I offered yesterday, the Leo season attunement workshop. Um, <clears throat> I talk about these aspects and I go deeper into the psychology of Leo. I give uh, suggestions for working with um, Leo and Aries energy specifically in your charts and kind of how to read their placements. Um, uh, there's also a, a movement practice and uh, kind of somatic exploration to support the energetic, the psychoenergetic connection with Leo energy. Um, throughout this month on the new moon and the full moon, or I should say the full moon and the new moon, the full moon is uh, August 3rd, the new moon is um, August 18th, but I will be um, holding lunar attunement rituals. So if you want to come connect in with the energy of these lunation cycles and with their potent um, support for this, this work that we're doing, then please join. The full moon, I'll be offering um, the lunar attunement early in the morning on Monday, August 3rd, 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. And then the new moon attunement, I'm offering the night before the new moon on August 17th. Um, at about 6 p.m. Pacific time. Virgo season, as we get into next year, um, on September 20, 
uh, excuse me, on August 23rd, not September, on August 23rd, I'll be offering the Virgo season attunement. Um, and in that attunement, we're going to be tuning into Virgo in our own beings. And this is the archetype of the sacred servant, um, where we are in service to divine energy, where we are connected and conduits for divine energy, where we really get to get in touch with um, the access that we have to goddess to god to spirit inside of our own beings and then cultivate the channels for manifesting from that relationship um, particularly through our healing capacities so please join me for the virgo attunement on september 23rd and then i also um, want to invite you for a, a special event that i'm going to be offering um, because this time, as we work with Mars retrograde, and then as we work with the um, upcoming conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, and their movements into Aquarius next year, um, and the aspects that they're going to be making with Uranus and Taurus, um, there is incredible change energy that's happening right now. And I think that uh, the rest of this year, 2020, and all of next year, 2021, are um, times when we can really uh, make a lot of headway with culture shift. I feel optimist um, about it, even as I'm nervous and scared and don't know what's going to happen. So if you feel compelled by astrology and feel that it's helpful for you, um, I'll be offering a three-day intensive um, in September. So the 19th, 20th, and the 21st of September, I'll be offering an intensive on um, working for culture shift, on changing yourself and, and changing the world, basically. Um, so you can find information on my classes and workshops at embodiedastrology.com. You can also check in with your Leo season horoscopes um, for more information on how to get in touch with Leo in your own chart and where to direct some of this energy over this month. Um, and then for those folks who are subscribers, um, check in with the extended month ahead recording and the calendar. Um, I offer daily prompts for working with astral energy through our bodies. Um, so embodied awareness prompts, ways to reflect, to be in conversation with, to do somatic practice and ritual around these energies and to integrate them into our lives and to study them. Um, and you can subscribe uh, fully by donation. So quarterly, annual, monthly donations of any amount. Um, basically, in, in trade for you helping me do the work that I love to do, um, you can have access to all of the extended subscriber content. So please check in with all of that. And um, in closing, I'd like to just offer that throughout this month of Leo season, uh, the number one thing that you can do to help this work happen is to check in with your heart regularly. So let's just do that now. Your heart, your heart energy right at the center of your chest. Come right into that space, right into that central most space. Feel where your breath begins. Feel how it radiates out all around you into an aura around you. Feel your heart energy, your love energy. Let it move through you and fill you up and move into the world around you. The number one thing you can do in Leo season is connect with your heart. 
So I'll leave it there for now. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'm wishing you all the best in Leo season and beyond. Much love. Bye for now.